special episodes from the Netherlands. This is Tony's Rhapsody. I'm your host, Tony Jung. Hi everyone, this is、uh, Tony back here. So today is probably the first time. Well, it is the first time that we try to get to、um, sort of cracking a case in a consulting interview type of environments. And today I'll be walking through one of the McKinsey type. Of interviewer-led、uh, question bank that we have right here, so it is about a school or more of an education case in Southeast Asia, right? So let's let's get right to it. So our client goal here, our client is a newly elected government of a province in a Southeast Asian country. Now, with the current poor performance in the local economy, they have prioritized education, specifically revamping its school system as their top policy in the next five years. Their objective is to have more children in school and enhance the achievements of these students regarding their passing grades. So the current situation is this: the country has a population of 50 million people, with 10 million currently at school age. However, only 8 million of them attend school, and the achievement rate is very low,、um, at currently at 25 percent. Poverty is one critical issue for the province, as many households live under two dollars per day. So McKinsey has been asked to advise as to how they can achieve、um, the the objective. So the followings,、uh, what I'm going to do is I'll read through the questions. We'll go through the brainstorming session together. I will also break down some of the tips、um, and pieces in, of information that is useful throughout this case cracking process. And、um, afterwards, we'll sort of have a、um, a go to answer that you can always pull up in a consulting interview. Where it might not be the best answer per se, but it's definitely a safe answer. Try to covers as um, um, as holistically as possible, right? So here it goes. Question one: What areas would you like to explore in explaining the number of students not in school? Okay, one more time. What areas would you like to explore in explaining the number of students not in school? So remember. Um, so we're dealing again. We're dealing with a client. It's a governmental client,、um, currently in a province、um, suffering from poverty. Right? We see that they have 50 millions of populations. Only 10 million is currently at school age, and out of this 10 million students,、um, I shouldn't put it that way. Out of this 10 million students,、um, or you know, people at school age, only 8 million of them attend the school. So obviously. In terms of the number counts, we are seeing two、um, million people not in school, right? So that's pretty much、uh, what this is、uh, talking about, right? We're gonna try to attribute the two million to the reasons behind it, okay? And so a typical way that you can think about it is, of course, you think about why are the two million students left out, right? Is it Um, their own fault, or is the system not kind of responding or providing them with these opportunities? And so, a framework、um, that is generally applicable to this type of situation here is a supply and demand framework. So, what I mean by supply and demand framework,、uh, firstly, in terms of supply, will be the supply of the opportunities, such as you know the numbers of schools in terms of its location. Maybe the location is too far away from a students、um, to be. You know, it's not accessible to a lot of families per se.、Um, a second thing is regarding the supply.、Uh, potential reasons, potential complication here is in terms of government policies. 
Now, we understand not all the governments will prioritize education on their agenda, right? When they get a budget, they probably budget it through other, some other channels. Um, for some, um, if we are talking about central governments, then it could be about some military agenda if they want to you know, arm themselves. And for Southeast and Asian, uh, more likely on both uh, central level and on the regional level, there could be certain corruptions taking place that actually prevents the budgets or the money from being put into good use. So that's more on the supply side. On the other hand, when we look into the demand side, which is, you know, we really have to view it from um, the people who are using these services, um, either the students themselves or think broadly, uh, for example, their family, right? So if we think of, um, let's say, the students themselves, right, or their family, first, firstly, of course, poverty is one of the top issues, right? When the family cannot afford the tuition fee, of course, they aren't able to send their students to the school, and thus the students are pretty much left out uh, of the entire landscape. Now, some other reasons behind it, on top of poverty, could also be because of a, um, I will frame it as a structural cause. Now, what I mean by structural cause is pretty much a, almost a common phenomenon in this society, right? It's not specific to an individual household per se, but rather it's common across all different types of households. Now, why is that the case? Um, For example, right, if the economy overall focus a lot on agriculture, uh, focus a lot on maybe manufacturing, then the society as a whole actually has a really huge, a large requirements of workers. And parents or families are very likely to actually just send their children to work instead of going to school in generating the income for the families. So that's kind of like a trade-off situation we're facing right now. At the same time, um, that's okay. Just now we've been looking at the uh, economy as a whole or we're looking at a household as a whole, right? Suppose that there is a household with five kids. Three of them are boys who are usually um, in schools, right? They get their educations pretty pretty decently. But they also have two other girls who are currently at school age, but they tend to just stay at home uh, helping with household chores. Why does that happen? That kicks in because, you know, certain biases actually exist in some of the society. For example, sexual bias, where certain sexes or certain gender are biased upon, you know, whether or not they can receive education or whether or not they actually have to stay and help with their family's income. So that could also be one of the reasons, a more of a structural um, approach in a society. Now, the, the other thing, just now we've been talking about more like students are forced not to be in school. What about, you know, if they're willing to actually make the decision themselves, right? They, they're given the opportunity and they can actually attend, but instead they don't, right? Why is that? Um, somehow, right, some data actually can suggest that curriculum provided by the school might not be that attractive to the families, per se. Then why is that the case? Again, it might not be because, you know, like... The teachers are really not well. The parents or the students themselves know that the teachers won't be able to give me any insights and therefore not going to school. But rather, when they run through a match of what is taught in school, you know, when they run through the curriculum, let's say I learn math, I learn uh, maybe English, um, histories, whatnot in class, whereas um, 
if I foresee somehow my future is entering the um, working age, I'll be pretty much working in a factories. I won't need, I won't need math. I won't need, you know, I, I might need a little bit of English if I have to, you know, communicate with others, but um, very not very likely, right? If I'm just going to stay in my country, then pretty much I, I I won't need these skills. That is why I I say the curriculum might not be attractive to to them. Right? So just now we've been looking into both the supply side and demand side. It's a very good uh, structure split as um, you want to be as structural um, and as messy as possible. Right? That's really emphasized in the consulting world where you have to be mutually exclusive and collectively exhaustive. So we've been um, looking at supply and demand. Okay? So after you lay out all those um, branches, very likely your interviewer is going to point out to one of the major causes or perhaps you're going to run through some more deeper conversations as to what are the potential reasons and what some other aspects that you haven't yet covered and those are really important as well. Okay, So you might, two situations, you might have more some more information and some more conversations regarding this current questions or the interviewers will just pick up one um, and lead you to question two, which is what I'm going to do now, right? So question two. So here goes the question, right? So employees from the Ministry of, Edu- uh, of Education have approached your team at McKinsey in verifying one of their proposals. Now, they have heard from many parents that poverty is one key issue that prevents many children from going to school. They found that a neighboring province has implemented a subsidy initiative that helps improve the poverty situations in many rural areas. The initiative works like this. As long as a child goes to school, the government will subsidize the family $2 per child per month. Now, below here is a chart stating the impact of the initiative. Now, the question to you is, what is the annual cost expected for rural and semi-urban areas once the initiative is in place? Okay, so now I'm going to describe what's in the chart. Um, you might want to pencil it down as I don't have a file or you know any pictures, any image in any kind of media form in you, just me, right? So it's a... Um, three times three tables. So on the column, you are looking at um, cities that is either rural, semi-urban, or urban. Right. So there are three categories: rural, semi-urban, and urban. Now on the roll, on the other hand, we're looking at uh, several data sets. First is the population. Right. Secondly is the number of students not attending school. And third, we're looking at the, the percentage increase in the numbers of students attending schools with stipends. Okay, so let me repeat it again, right? So putting together all these tables, first we're looking at the populations in all three different categories of cities, either rural, semi-urban, or urban. Secondly, we're looking at the numbers of students not attending the school in these three categories of the cities. And thirdly, we're looking at a percentage increase in numbers of students attending school with stipends. So pretty much this is the impact that we can foresee once we have the uh, subsidy initiative in place. Okay, so I'm going to run through the numbers for you and you can have uh, you can take some time off to think about the situations and formulate your hypothesis. Right, so starting off from the first um, column, uh, which is population, 
In rural cities is 4 million people. Semi-urban is 3.5 million, whereas urban is 2.5 million. Now, in terms of numbers on attending schools, we're looking at rural at 1 million students, semi-urban at 0.8 million students, and urban at 0.2 million students. Whereas the number, uh, excuse me, whereas the percentage increase in number of students attending school with steepened uh, in rural areas at 20%. Uh, 20%. In semi-urban area is 11%, 11%, whereas in urban is 2%, 2%. So here you're looking at a three times three table. And um, just now the question is, what is the annual cost expected for rural and semi-urban areas once the initiative is in place? So this is a number of questions, a math question. So uh, what you're supposed to do with the math question is not just to you know run through the formula in, uh, in your mind and just spell out an answer. Rather, in this consulting interview, uh, case interview type of situations, what you're supposed to do is actually walk through the process with the interviewer. So where you start with, you know, what is the first number that you look at in a table? How do you get to derive um, your answer from? And just pretty much work through the process. So let's work through the process together, right? You can take your, you can, you can pause and take your time off and actually run through your own um, formula. But right here, we're going to... Um, um, just guide you through the process. Okay. So in looking at the annual cost, we first need to understand um, who are the targets, right? Only the targets will require certain costs. And in terms of cost structure, um, reminds yourself that we're looking at subsidizing the family, right? Per children per month. And the rate is at $2. So we know that, you know, whatever you calculate is pretty much going to be, you know, Per child per month. So you're going to uh, use the two and times the numbers of students and the number of months. Okay. Uh, speaking of which, you will need to first clarify what type of costs are we, you know, calculating. Of course, this um, this one here, I specifically talk about annual costs. So you know, it's 12 months. Okay. It's very very easy. So what we need to understand is if the rate is two. And we're currently running at 12 months. The only things that is left for us to understand is the numbers of students, right? The number of students. And um, let's take a look at the question again. We're looking at the numbers of students who actually goes to school after subsidizing. So take yourself into the table again. When we see in the third column, we said numbers of increase in numbers of students attending school with steepens. So that's pretty much the numbers we're looking at. But how do we you know, get to the actual number because here we're only looking at the percentage, right? So um, now the tricky thing is you have to take a look at um, the student who is currently not in the school, right? Who is currently not in the school and uh, remind yourself that we're only looking at rural as well as semi-urban, okay? We're only looking at these two. So the first number in terms of rural will actually be how much is it? Will be three million times one point two. Okay, it will be three million times one point two. Okay, what what that means is okay. We are not only subsidizing the students who is you know in the delta version, which is you know the the increase afterwards, but we are also subsidizing everyone else who's are already in the system who already attend the school. So we need to look at the numbers of students who are actually attending the school, right? So if you 
take a look at the let's take uh, rural as an example right so rural currently the population is four million while one million people is now attending school that gives us three million people uh, in the population who's currently in the school right and we see that the percentage increase is going to be at 20 percent in which uh, which means going forward we'll be looking at a 1.2 times increase in the total numbers of students attending school. So in getting the number count, we are looking at 4 minus 1, which is 3, times 1.2 million people. Okay, that's for the rural area. Whereas if you look into the semi-urban area, we're looking at um, 3.5 minus 0.8, which is 2.7 million times 1.11. So after you combine these two figures together, you're going to get a total numbers of students who actually attend school right um, and it comes from two sources one is the right originally there there have been students going to school right we also need to subsidize them and secondly is after the stipends runs or take place um, there well we're, we're going to attract even more people to attend school. So those are the delta increase. Okay. So after you do that, you times the rate and you time the 12 months and you will get to the answer of $158 million okay, of annual cost. That's how we get to that. Okay. So it's a math problem. Don't get terrified. Sometimes, you know, you'll be um, looking at a lot of numbers that might or might not make sense. Usually it makes total sense but you will have to make sense of it within a relatively short period of time. Now, what, of course, what we recommend you to do is to walk through the process um, yourself and walk through it with interviewer. What you want to do is you want to verify your assumptions step by step. So you, want to, you don't want to jump too far, right? You want to verify it step by step, making sure that you are running on the right track, and then you gradually arrive at the final answer that you're looking at. Okay. So that is question two. And we have, actually we have um, four more questions. But I guess the, the time right now is about it. So we'll continue with the four other question next time. So that's the episode. If you like it, please tune in for more. I'm Tony Zhang. See you next time at Tony's Rhapsody. Thanks for listening.